It's Tennessee Titans talk. Texans. Part one, fellas. Woo! Texans, baby. This is what it's all about. So, guys, it's been a fun week. All the content nationally and locally about this team, the excitement about this team, and the anticipation. Do you think it worked out that we'll play this team two times in three weeks? It definitely seems weird, but it's almost like in other sports where you play multiple games to determine a winner in a a playoff uh, series. Oh, I love it. If if this time seems is legit, if we have a chance to make a playoff push, we have to beat good teams. The Texans are a good team, and to beat them twice, including on the road in the season finale, that's no easy task. But if we can do that, that proves that this team is really good. I'd rather go into the playoffs knowing that this team is good than unsure. John, we are fortunate because starting two and four, if one of those uh, losses had been to the Texans, uh, it would have made this a little bit tougher. Now we get to control our own destiny, and a part of that is just luck of the schedule, right? When it plays out like it has for us this year, you've got a lot of exciting football here in December. Pretty much it's playoffs next three weeks, so I'm really a big fan of it. I know some other teams who probably are already out of the playoff race don't like it as much, but I think it's really great. Guys, we're a three-point favorite, and we talk over and over on this podcast. Everyone knows generally as a rule of thumb. Home team gets three points, so this is basically a pick game, which I think is dead on. We're hot, but the Texans, if you look over the last season and a half, have a, they have a really good record. They have a great short history against us, and they have Deshaun Watson. They're banged up. They're shorthanded. We're going to talk a little bit about their strengths and weaknesses. But what did you guys think of the line? We'll start with you, Lamb. Well, like you said, it's perfect. It's exact same records, and we haven't played each other. So there's really nothing we can base it off of in terms of who's the better team because, well, we haven't played each other, so there's no precedent for this season. And we have similar quality wins and losses to to go to college football speak. And obviously, it's in Nashville – Plus three for the home team. It's dead on. Houston beat the Patriots Thanksgiving weekend, and then they turned around and lost. It's just a tough performance at home against um, a surprisingly upstart, Drew Locke and the Broncos. That made it tough for Vegas, right, to figure out where to line this game, right? Oh, you'd have to think so. Or, I mean, I would think it makes it tough for Vegas, but maybe it doesn't. Maybe they just look at it as an outlier because I think we all know that Houston is a better team than what they put on the field last week against Denver. And maybe they took Denver lightly. Maybe they just didn't you know, have a grasp of Drew Locke or what he could do. At the end of the day, Houston is still a very good football team. And they have a lot of things they do well. They're pretty well coached. And they've got a lot of great individual players, if not one of the, one of the best receivers in this league. They're still a really good team. Vegas might be pretty accurate. They're usually not wrong, but I, I think it's fair. Landon, we know the strength, though. The Texans is Deshaun Watson and his playmaking ability. What have you seen from him in the last month, and what do you expect from him Sunday? I've seen highs and lows, and it really just comes down to he's a gambler. He's a risk taker. He's not afraid to stand in the pocket, scramble around, buy time, take a 50-50 ball. Now, obviously, when you have a receiver as great as DeAndre Hopkins, a lot of the times those throws work out. But at the same time, it also doesn't. Like in the game against Denver, he had two interceptions, and one was in garbage time. He tried to fit into a tight space. He trusted his receiver. The receiver won't always win the battle, and sometimes it'll turn into turnovers. His scrambling ability is still as good as it always is. He's a threat to run. 
against Denver. He had another incredible leaping touchdown where he jumped probably four feet in the air, bounced off a defender midair, then tumbled into the end zone. So he's going to definitely be a threat to gash our defense when if we're having to play man on those receivers. Like he always is, he's really scary if you're on the opposing sideline. John, their biggest weakness is protecting Watson. He's such a wild card and, and, and just an excellent player, but he struggles with consistency, I think because the team around him struggles with consistency. Larry Tunsil uh, is not a super polished player. They are giving up half the sacks that they had this time last year. He'll get penalties, and he'll have lapses in concentration. He he has more false starts, really, than he does holding. But on that right side, Clark, Fulton, they really struggled uh, on that right-hand side. That's going to be the key uh, to us. And I, I think, although we're solid up front, I've said this probably every week of this run, there were times, even in the last game, we were not effectively getting pressure. And Dave Carr was able to to u- utilize that time and look pretty good in moments. Uh, that's my big fear, is that we can't get pressure Sunday. I mean, it's a valid concern. I think we've been, we've been doing a little bit better on getting pressure. Obviously, the sacks haven't built up for us. But last week, we had Simmons get one. Um, you know, we're usually pretty reliable with Harold Landry getting one. So like you mentioned, I think it's going to present an advantageous matchup for us. And I think we're going to be able to, to capitalize. I think the atmosphere on Sunday is going to be overwhelmingly energetic. And I think that's going to get all the players a little loose and excited and I think we're going to see players play fast, and we're going to see them play really aggressive, which I think is going to really work out well for our defensive line matchup. So I really expect Landry to come through really big with the, with at least one or two sacks. I would like to see Sharif Finch get one. Really, you know, like you said, Tunsil is not polished. He's better than they've had recently. Yeah, Tunsil is a good player. I don't mean that, but he uh, has his lapses. They would be in an absolute pickle without him, and that's why they sold out to get him, because you look at the rest of their depth land, and if they didn't have him, this would be uh, a different story, right? Oh, certainly, and this pretty much this entire last year was entirely invested into the offensive line. Watson was sacked over 60 times last year, one of the top five most sacked quarterbacks ever in a single season, and they pretty much just went all in on that one spot. Sean Watson, superstar, injury concerns in the past. You've got to protect him. You spend your first rounder and your second rounder on two small school tackles that can start right away, show up the offensive line. Then you trade two first rounders for Larry Tunzel. Great quality starting left tackle, franchise left tackle. They've gone all in and it's worked out for the most part. A lot of these sacks come down to Watson wants the big play. He's willing to dance around, run around, hope that he'll get a miracle play instead of just taking what's given. As we've seen in the past when the Texans come to Nashville, this crowd, it can get hyped, it can get into the offensive line's heads. The game probably two or three years ago where we had three consecutive false starts called on them in the last minute of the game before LaShawn Sims would seal the game. We, we, this crowd has shown that we can affect the game when it's the Texans' offensive line. Chris Clark is the starting right tackle because of injury and for the Texans, and uh, he's 34-year-old. A guy who's really only ever started because of injury. In the NFL, uh, teams that consistently win take advantage of weaknesses. No offense to to Mr. Clark, but he is in over his head, and we've had our share of players in over their head. I think it's absolutely important that Jeffrey Simmons, Correa, uh, on that left side of the defense, uh, absolutely make that work because if they can band-aid that up, uh, Deshaun Watson's going to be dangerous, and that's kind of what we've been talking about. So look for that 
on Sunday, if we're not getting pressure, uh, Houston's right side of their offensive line, Zach Fulton and Chris Clark, uh, we're going to have to exploit that because we all know Kenny Stills has played well. Uh, he came over, um, we thought, as a more or less a throw-in of that trade. He's played well, and they've needed him because Will Fuller is just not able to, to stay healthy. We all know how good DeAndre Hop- Hopkins is. He hasn't had the year he's wanted, but I don't know that that's necessarily his fault, and he's capable of having a big game. I think we have done a good job of even we've had receivers against us have good performances, you know, Mike Evans and other guys. We have not let a receiver beat us this season, right, big fellas? So, Although we've got a big challenge this week uh, from a couple fronts, um, we've been pretty good. We're shorthanded in the defensive backfield, but do you expect uh, big things from Hopkins Sunday? Um, it's really hard with a guy like him. He's really such an incredible athlete and playmaker that you always have to expect something. One thing to note is Will Fuller did have a limited practice today, and I have been preaching for years, even since his days at Notre Dame, he has been a thorn in my side since he's been in college and in the, in the league and he just always seems to to have our number and I don't <laughs> I don't want that to happen not this week or in two weeks so I'm always going to be extra cautious with Will Fuller um, and DeAndre Hopkins because Hopkins has had some really great games against us as well but being the number one corner I feel like we have we can throw extra protections at him to kind of shut him down and take him out of the game and like you said not allow him to beat us but our problem with receivers sometimes is we let that, that other guy, that second guy beat us. So, and with other teams, it might be a tight end. But with this team specifically, it's Will Fuller. Are we going to spy Deshaun Watson? And who are we going to use? It would seem like we will because obviously our pass rush hasn't been up to standards. And even though their right side is gashed, and I would expect us just to put Landry on that side every play. Just tell Chris Clark, hey, guard a young up-and-coming pass rusher that's going to get 10 sacks this year, good luck. But I would expect us to probably put Rashawn Evans as a spy on Deshaun Watson. He was effective at that in college, obviously, with Alabama and Clemson meeting up so many times. He's got the athleticism and the tackling to stick with him. That would allow Jayon Brown, who's the better coverage linebacker, to actually play in coverage. Because if we have to put Jayon in a spy, that takes away from our zone defense, our man defense. It would just kill part of our past defense, and we have to avoid that as much as we can because John Brown is probably our most effective def- defensive player right now. Landon, what's the latest on injury for both uh, teams? This is the time of year that is just more important than ever. Who's going to be out there? Who's going to be available Sunday? All right. I'll start with the good guys. Darren Bates, Derek Henry, Adam Humphreys, and Adore Jackson were all out today, but it's a Wednesday. It's a maintenance day. It's akin to load management in the NBA for – Pretty much the first half of the season, Christian McCaffrey was out every Wednesday. It's just your best players get rest. They deserve rest. Now, Humphreys, Jackson, and Bates were all out in the game against Oakland, but I expect them to return. Then Derrick Henry with that hamstring injury. Then Ben Jones, LaShawn Sims, and Kenny Vaccaro were all limited. Now, Sims and Vaccaro missed our game, and Ben Jones, this is a new thing, but so far there's nothing catastrophic on the injury report for our side. Then for Houston, Chris Clark, Gary Conley, Will Fuller, Taiwan Jones, Brandon Scarlett, and Carlos Watkins were all limited participants. And the big ones to me are Chris Clark, their starting right tackle, Gary Conley, who's been a rotational cornerback for them, and obviously Will Fuller. No catastrophic injuries on either side, but plenty of little nicks and bruises on both sides. Yeah, I think that's a good point, Landon. With Chris Clark specifically, it looks like his injury is hip-related. With an offensive lineman, 
a hip issue, a hip injury, that could be a pretty big deal. So it might affect his bend. It might affect him, you know, kicking out. It, it could, you know, playing into what we talked about earlier, it could be a really big day. And if it, if he's hampered by it at all, it could just be an even bigger opportunity to exploit with our pass rushers. John Landon expects everybody that was out last week, Humphreys, Jackson, especially, to be back. Do you expect the same? And what's your gut feeling on Vaccaro? So he left the game early last week because of a concussion. So the fact that he's practicing at all, I think it's a positive sign for us. I'm kind of nervous about Ben Jones and the thumb issue, especially if it's his dominant hand. It could impact his ability to snap the ball. Um, but I, I think we'll see him. He's a tough kid. He's going to play through pretty much everything. My big concerns are Adoree Jackson and Derrick Henry specifically because Adoree Jackson, we need him this game. We need him to be our fast cover corner, and we need it. He's played really solid the last couple of weeks when he's been active. So the injury report designates it a, it's a foot. His last issue was uh, kind of foot-calf related, so we'll kind of have to see. I hope we have him, but it's a possibility we won't. Humphreys, I think it, it's an ankle. It's all dependent on you know how he feels. So I, I think he could come in. Yeah, so I think we could see. I could. I think we could see pretty much everybody back again. I know Derrick Henry. He's got a hamstring issue, but he was going to finish the game on Sunday had it not been for Vra- for Mike Vrabel telling him not to. So he's going to be out there and he's going to be looking for that rushing title. Uh, th- this game is too important for us and these players to miss because of just little nagging injuries. So. If they're not going to be playing, it's going to be something kind of serious. Ryan Tannehill, AFC Player of the Week. A man of attention nationally in this team and Ryan Tannehill are getting. It's been a lot of fun, but it kind of changes the dynamic, Landon, don't you think? Uh, we're not under the radar anymore. We're a, we're a known quantity. I think this team's leadership and just our overall talent's ready for that. Oh, yeah, certainly. And all the gambling podcasts I listen to where before, especially with Mariota, they would just talk stuff about the Titans and bet against him and say oh the team is so bad they can't win now pretty much every podcast is in love with the Titans and why shouldn't they be we're six and one with Tannehill our offense is the second best in that span behind the Baltimore Ravens who have the NFL's MVP Ryan Tannehill looks freaking amazing if he'd played like this all year he'd be a top five quarterback it seems like every week we're winning an, an offensive player of the week whether it be the air player of the week the ground player of the week AFC offensive player of the week it's just a really fun chance because for so long it was defense and gritty wins and winning by the skin of our teeth. And now it's, yeah, our quarterback passed for about 400 yards, something that we haven't done in forever. And it's just so much fun to finally jump into the modern NFL in terms of an explosive offense. Yeah, it's pretty neat to be at the in the thick of things and, you know, have an offense that can score 30 points a game. I never really, I guess I never, as being a Titans fan for as long as I have, you know, I, I knew we didn't have it, but now that we do have it, it's something I'm like, wow, this feels pretty cool. So, yeah, Lane, you're right. It feels pretty awesome uh, to be able to open things up and sling the ball around the yard. It's pretty great. This offense, the first three weeks with Tannehill, uh, I was happy to see it, but they weren't doing anything kind of world-breaking. He was just sort of uh, uh, coming in and finding the open man. And I really thought to myself, this is great. We're getting back on a roll, but we're going to have to see – the play calling and him sort of evolve uh, because uh, teams are going to be able to jump those routes. And there, there's just so many smart uh, people that, that analyze this for a living, work 90 hours a week and work on the defensive side of the ball. But we've seen, although you know what they're going to do, they're going to run heavy. 
and we kind of know what his limitations and his strengths are. Uh, obviously, he just played out of his mind uh, last game, and we know you know that he has has some issues with with protecting the ball. All that being said, these last two weeks, especially, you've seen those nuanced things in the offense. Although they wouldn't have been the same thing we saw on Sunday, Lysen game going in motion. We see a lot of motion, and we see them kind of do the same thing, but they give so many different looks to the defense and throw them off. I've been really impressed with the play calling and the scheming and just overall, it just seems like the preparation, not only from the players, but from the staff, right? Oh, definitely. And, you know, like we talked about on the reaction podcast, Tannehill hit 10 different receivers on Sunday. That's pretty rare. And I think it shows you that the players are excited about it too. They're getting open. They're running different routes. They're, they're willing to try a couple different things. I mean, we had a Corey Davis sighting. He was getting the ball. Uh, like you said, Blazingay made some incredible catches. Everybody is doing their part. You know, it's all thanks to Ryan Tannehill. First couple weeks, he, he's got his training wheels on, and, you know, he's gaining the trust of Arthur Smith. And then after a couple weeks of that, he proved he was ready to open it up, and that's when Arthur Smith kind of opened up the playbook. So, you know, the, invent, the reinvention of Ryan Tannehill is also a reinvention of Arthur Smith. I think that's very well said. Ryan Tannehill has precipitated a better-looking offensive game plan just because I think he, uh, he offers a little more right now. And he's opened things up for Derrick Henry. And the op- the inverse is true. You could say the same thing for the receiving core and A.J. Brown specifically and our offensive line. I'm critical of the offensive line. We've seen Taylor Lewan the last two weeks especially uh, get back, adjusted to game speed, and get there. Played really well last week, didn't he, Landon? And Roger Saffold benefits, and he himself has been accountable. Um, now, they're not the, uh, the, the 85 Hogs. For Washington, but they certainly, against the run especially, played very well lately. Oh yeah, even with the six-sack first half in Indianapolis, this offensive line has played so well down this stretch, and that's really why the offense has taken off, because now Derrick Henry isn't averaging almost all his yards after contact. It's a big reason why he's now averaging seven yards per carry over the last four games, which is just stupid considering he was playing probably at 70% for most of the Raiders game. And we haven't exactly played the most dominant defenses in the league. This wasn't playing New England, Baltimore, San Francisco consecutive games. But you can only play who you play. And the offensive line has played about as well as we could have expected it to. It looks like it will continue to hold up Houston's defense. The loss of J.J. Watt was finally realized when Denver hung 38 points on them before they knew what happened. Then this is looking ahead, but to the Saints... Sheldon Rankins and Marcus Davenport, two starting high-caliber defensive linemen, are both likely to be out, likely for the season. So we're going to be facing some weak defensive lines down the stretch, and and that's good news for this offensive line if we're going to keep playing to this level. Big fellow, we mentioned how inconsistent Houston's been on the offensive front, and a lot of that's to do with their offensive line and and some injuries. I think uh, last week we, we saw... J.J. Watt, his absence catch up uh, with their pass rush, and uh, they did just did not play well. Drew Locke, to his credit, looked like he was ready to play, and of course there's no tape on him, but he excelled. I mean, he did a really good job. Who knows what's going to happen, but I will say, objectively, watching that game, uh, he was ready to play, and he looked accurate, and a lot of energy, a lot of bounce to the ball. Does that make you lick, lick your chops and uh, think Tannehill can go for it? I know these are week-to-week, and I expect a really good, tough game. But what, what's their defensive backfield like? And is that, a, is that a weakness of this team now or a strength? Um, I don't think their defensive backfield is incredibly strong. Stronger, They have Jonathan Joseph back there at corner, Lonnie Johnson, Bradley Roby, Gary and Conley, as uh, Landon mentioned. 
and they were the team that actually put in a waiver claim on Vernon Hargraves the third, which I don't think our our perception of any of those guys is really you know terrifying. I mean, Jonathan Joseph and Bradley Roby, they're both decent corners in this league. I'm not going to say they're they're top corners or shutdown corners, but they've been around for a little while. Their safeties, Justin Reed, Tashawn Gibson, uh, Mike Adams. I'm not worried about any of them. Um, I think this team was far more dangerous when they had a guy like Tyron Matthew last year or Ed Reed years ago. Obviously, we're talking about a Hall of Famer, so I guess it's not really fair. But, um, but yeah, I mean, kind of like Drew, I think you mentioned, I think Drew Locke took advantage of some opportunities. And unlike Houston teams in the past, he wasn't really terrified of the pass rushers like J.J. Watt and Jadavian Clowney. They're, they're not there, and they're not. It takes a lot of pressure off of, off of a quarterback when you don't have to think about that kind of stuff. You know, their pass rush is, like we've talked about, is not really great. The best guy they have might be Whitney Merciless when when he plays, you know, kind of closer towards the line. But, yeah, I, I mean, they really don't have much. They have Angelo Blackson, the guy that uh, we're rel- relatively familiar with, Brandon Dunn, DJ Reader, nobody that we're really terrified of. Landon, if you had a vote for AFC Offensive Rookie of the Year, I would say Josh Jacobs would have to be one just because we saw what the Oakland Raiders look like without him, built the offensive line around him. He's been one of the best rushers in the AFC period, not just among rookies. He's been really effective in a lot of ways, and he's really proved a lot of people along, myself included. I thought that was a terrible reach at the pick they got from the Khalil Mack trade, but he's been so much better than I thought he would ever be, and he looks like he's, he'll be a franchise running back. I would probably say A.J. Brown would be second. And it's really just based on these last couple of games with the Jags and the Raiders where he's just exploded with Tannehill. I mean, he's averaging 20 yards per catch. He's got he's got several touchdowns. He's our leading receiver in terms of pretty much every statistical category. And he's doing it all as a rookie with a quarterback who had to step in midseason. And for a guy drafted in the second, you're not expecting a guy to play like a star. Like, like if A.J. Brown were drafted... 10th overall, and he was playing like he was right now. Everyone be saying, that was a pretty good pick. He's got a lot of upside. He's playing good for a rookie. But to get him in the mid-second round, that's really good value, and it's shown with how our offense has exploded with him as our number one receiver. Big fella, you know, I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of Brown. Down the stretch, does he have a chance to capture that award? Or Atlanta makes an excellent point about Jacobs and how he's kind of the focal point of their offensive team. I think it's Jacobs to lose just because, like Landon said, you know, he's an incredible player, and we saw o- Oakland look pretty well, – I mean, I won't say they look lost without him because they had – you know, their running backs did some things. They had scored some touchdowns, but he truly is a difference maker on that squad, and if he plays the rest of the year, I think he will probably get Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think A.J. Brown is definitely in consideration for, for that award as well. All right, guys, let's talk keys to victory. What has to happen for us to prevail? We've had some monkeys off our back lately, and this will be another one. This is the most winnable of our next three games, and for that reason, the most vital. I feel like a broken record, but run, Derek, run. we got to come out of the gates like gangbusters, and we've got to score early. We've got to score often, continue our success on the offensive line, and take advantage of this really good matchup with, the, with a defensive line that should provide us a lot of holes. The other thing we have to do, we have got to stop Deshaun Watson. He is their lifeline, but he's also he also may be how they lose. So we really have to contain him. So I want our 
our defensive ends to come off the edge really hard and really wide and kind of close the pocket in on him. So I, I think that's really what we have to do. We have to limit Deshaun Watson. We have to get somebody to cover their receivers, DeAndre Hopkins and Will Fuller. And like I said, we have to run with Derrick Henry and then take advantages of loaded boxes uh, to, to get some receivers in space. I would say the biggest thing is our secondary just has to stay healthy. We were lucky to play the Raiders missing three of our top five defensive backs, four of our top six, if you count Malcolm Butler. Now, Bayard and Logan Ryan, they're definitely our best two, and we're, we were lucky to have them, but still. We're missing Adoree Jackson and LaShawn Sims, our number two and number three cornerbacks at this point. And then Vaccaro, our, st- our starting strong safety, went out with a concussion. If we're playing this dynamic offense, if we're playing Deshaun Watson, and it's Bayard, Logan Ryan, and then a bunch of backups, I'm worried. But the good news is it looks like guys should be healthy. It's at the point where everyone is going to have to grit through some injuries, some pain. I don't want to have to see a clock stoppage, a timeout on the field, because one of our defensive backs is lying down there hurt. Because their durability has been questionable this year, and that's a big issue going up against a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. Last week, we gave up 21 points to the Raiders at halftime, and they didn't score again. Dean Pease and his staff and the players' ability to make adjustments we've seen most of the season has been very impressive. We're very well coached. I know we're company men here, and we uh, we love our team, but I, objectively, Dean Pease is a terrific coach when it comes to uh, halftime adjustments, and, and we've got a lot of intelligent players uh, that know. I think that's going to be the key. We're going to maybe take our lumps, but Deshaun Watson in big games uh, has just quite the pedigree. He's a terrific athlete and player and just overall gamer. I am worried about if we don't make the proper adjustments uh, and it's close uh, that he could beat us on the end if we're not ready and we haven't been using the whole game to kind of see uh, what they're doing and anticipate that. For me, it's going to be uh, to continue to make the important adjustments so we can bottle up a star. Fellas, let's talk predictions uh, and we'll get out of here. So start with you, big fella. What's your gut feeling on Sunday? In all honesty, I really think, you know, I obviously think we're going to win. I think we're looking again at probably a 45-17. I'm not going to be that blue. I mean, I think at, this is as confident as I felt about a Titans game at home in a long time. This is going to be the first time I've picked them in probably a month. I say we win 35-21. It'll be a good game. It'll be a close game. But this home field advantage and this cold weather is going to be a big factor in us pulling out down the stretch. I think we have the ability to... Um... To really roll them up because they've kind of got their backs against the wall. That That's on the table. But for me, guys, the Texans will be ready to play. You've got to look at their track record. They've been shorthanded other times in the last two years. Bill O'Brien takes uh, some heat. But you look at their record the last two years. They've been a good team for a while. Deshaun Watson has a track record in these games. And the Houston Texans have a track record against this team, even in Nashville. Obviously, an interesting dynamic. The Titans, uh, formerly the the Oilers and that whole thing, makes it for really interesting. And, of course, what's on the line uh, is the most important thing. These guys want to keep playing, and they want to position themselves to win this division. It matters. For me, I think it's going to be a close game, and I think it's going to be uh, with some fireworks and, and some theatrics. I think we're going to see uh, a lot of heart on our side and a lot of execution, and I think we're going to see a lot of guts and just athleticism uh, when it comes to them from their receiving core. And uh, if we don't get a pass rush, uh, we, we could easily lose this game. I really believe that's going to be key. For me, guys, uh, I would say 35-31. I think this is going to be within a touchdown score either way. This game kicks off at noon, 
Super excited. We hope to see everybody at the stadium. I hope we we talk about this and we talk about a win on Sunday. We talk about this being the best crowd since the good old days. I have high expectation, expectations for this team and even higher for this crowd. I think the rally they put on, I think they deserve to have a full stadium for Sunday. I certainly hope that that comes about. Oh, yeah. And let me add one thing, too, that I forgot we didn't mention. is specifically about this Texans team. Now, keep in mind, Coach Vrabel recently coached for the Texans, and even last year when we played them here in Nashville, we pulled out a lot of a lot of trick plays. We had that, that fake punt for a touchdown thrown by Kevin Byard to Dan Cruikshank. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little kind of a little bit ma- a little bit of magic up our sleeves on Sunday, which might add a little extra buzz to the air. But yeah, like you mentioned, we're, we should have some good football weather and. Um, hopefully this adds some buzz guys don't forget cold blue we'll see you there it's gonna be super fun cannot wait and follow us on titans talk cast we'll have a conversation there reach out to us we'd love to hear from you fellas tighten up tighten up texans down tighten up